All right. So, hey, Mike, we are ready to continue into chapter one. Now, in our last conversation, we discussed the introduction to the book of Romans with the aim in mind. So let me just do a quick review real quick. Paul, in this great book of Romans, is aiming toward the unity of God's family. He is bringing together Jew and Greek into one family under the Messiah. And so as we have that aim in mind, in our last conversation, we talked through the first real 17 verses of Romans chapter one and recognize that Paul is introducing Jesus. Paul is introducing his apostleship and Paul is introducing the gospel, the, the bringing of all people under the lordship of Jesus. And as we now continue today into chapter one, verses 18 through 32, it seems that Paul is going to take more of a bad news turn. But I think we're going to see that this bad news turn is actually really important to the gospel. So let me just read these verses, beginning in verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Now, pretty much every Bible word that we can talk about is in these verses, but which one is really, really, really important to the development of Romans? Yeah. So the idea of the righteousness of God, and then he's going to pick up with the wrath of God from that. Okay. So let's go ahead and talk through that idea, Mike. Romans 1 to 3 is really focusing especially on the righteousness of God. This is going to be a key phrase to the whole book. But especially in 1 to 3, we we have to talk through the righteousness of God. Now, verse 17, the righteousness of God is revealed. Verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed. We've not Mm -hmm. done this yet. And, and this is a term that among Bible scholars is still contested about what Paul means. But, but, but take us into what does Paul mean by the righteousness of God? Yeah. So, you know, if we if we just step back and, and really take in the big picture um, and, and, and go back to the, the prophets and the picture of expectation and all that, um, the idea is that in response to all the evil in the world, God, there, God has fixed a day in which he will deal with evil and usher in this age to come. Um, and, 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 and so the idea that God is making things right, um, God will come as, as the righteous judge and vindicate and rectify and do, do all that work. Um, He's stepping into that here in in Romans one through three and showing how God makes that uh, begins that right making work in Jesus in justifying and forgiving sins um, and and how wide the scope is for that right making even now. Um, But to to get there. And to appreciate that, he's going to um, spend some time digging into the problem of sin in the world and and, um, that which 
all that's incurring his wrath and righteous judgment. And so that's that's where we're beginning in 18 through 32. And what he's going to describe here is um, the nations under sin, right? You know, you could you could say in other terms, this before, is before you get into yeah, before you get into that, can I talk about righteousness just a bit more? Sure. Yeah. 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 Because this, this term obviously is so important to understanding what Paul means. Yeah. So the way I've tried to explain righteousness is some people conceive of righteousness as being right. Mm. Some conceive of it as doing right. Mm -hmm. Others conceive of it as making right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which one or combination of those is fair to the New Testament? Yeah, I mean, maybe there are times when you could have any of those in, but it seems to be here, this is God making things right, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's what's important to note for Romans. If you deal with this term in Greek, yakasune in Greek, in the Gospel of Matthew, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, it has more of the overtone of doing right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. righteous deeds, it's it's all about doing right. Mm -hmm. Th there's certainly going to be a time in chapter three where, yeah, you are in the right. You're, you are right. But I think especially here, whenever Paul is talking about righteousness, he talks about this as a power that is mm -hmm. making the world right. Yeah. One passage that we know influenced the Apostle Paul was Isaiah 59, because he says in Isaiah 59, 17, God put on righteousness as a breastplate, a helmet of salvation on his head. Of course, Paul quotes that in Ephesians 6. But a bit earlier in Isaiah 59, it says, therefore, justice is far off and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light and behold darkness for brightness, but we walk in gloom. Uh, verse 14, righteousness stands far away. Isaiah 59 envisions the world is wrong. The world yeah. is messed up and disturbed. The only thing that is going to rectify it is the righteousness of God. And so mm -hmm. it's really, 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 really important to read the book of Romans with that frame of righteousness in mind. Whenever Absolutely. God is revealing his righteousness, it is God making the world right. It's not a fiction. It is God yeah. actually making the world right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's all linked to the day of the Lord, right? And he's going to talk about that more in chapter two, th yes. this day in which God will bring that righteous judgment. Um, and yet the gospel reveals how that right-making work is already being done in Jesus to justify sinners and forgive, yes. bring forgiveness of sins. Okay, um, so with that but, context in mind, then take us through the nations. Yeah. So 18 through 32, okay. chapter one. Is really dealing with the yeah. nations. Go ahead and take us into that. Yeah. I probably won't take the time to read the whole thing, but let me read the first few verses here just to get a, a sense of what he's saying here at the beginning. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what's been made, so they're without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but became futile in their speculations. Their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man 
and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. We could do a deep dive into some of the things he uh, packs into that, but I want to get just the essence of it. Um, He's describing the nations, having some knowledge of the creator and yet rejecting the creator and devolving into all kinds of idolatry, worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And what happens from there is this um, just floodgate of all kinds of immorality and injustice that flows from that initial rejection of God. Um, Paul's essentially taking the Genesis 1 through 11 story and and walking through it in different in different language. Um, but what we're seeing again is the nations going into idolatry and from that this flood of injustice and immorality. Let me stop there. Yeah, I mean this is this is the revelation of unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. And th- this again is the key word of this chapter, unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. So if you think back to Isaiah in our Isaiah discussions, there's two sins that he condemns, idolatry and injustice. Yeah. Both of them are brought up here. And yeah. idolatry and injustice continue to make the world unrighteous. It's mm-hmm. not merely a legal problem, but it's a problem in relationships. Sin has destroyed relationships. It's destroyed relationships with God. It's destroyed relationships with one another. It's 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 unrighteous. All right, keep going. Yeah. yeah. So he he paints this this bleak picture of people turning against God, and then you see this sort of threefold um, phrase. Therefore, God gave them over. You see it in verse twenty four. Again, in verse twenty six, this for, for this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. Verse twenty eight, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over. And the picture seems to be again people who had some knowledge of God. This is not, and let's clarify, this is not a knowledge like we see in scripture where I can say, you know, all these details about God's character and all this sort of stuff, but some basic sense of a creator, right? They have some knowledge of the creator. And yet rather than giving thanks to him and worshiping him and serving him, they're turning away from him. And so then in that rejection of him, God gives them over to do what's in their heart to do. He's just letting letting them um, uh, live in rebellion of him and letting sin and evil and injustice run its course in their lives. And you get, um, again, idolatry that's that's described more fully in 24 through 25, all kinds of sexual immorality in 26 through 27, and then just this, uh, again, wild list of all kinds of vices and 28 through the end. But then, then he comes to this, this conclusion in verse 32, though they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death. They not only do the same, but give hearty approval to those who practice them. And so you just see um, really this arrogant posture in their rebellion against God and 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 though there's this sense of yeah this is not the way it should be there's just this celebration of this life in rebellion against god yeah so much we could talk about here i mean this is 
just rich. Um, the, the first phrase, you already you mentioned this, but I want to talk about it again. You see in verse 24, you see in verse 26, and you see in verse 28, this phrase, God gave them up. Going back to our Isaiah discussions, Mike, what ideas in Isaiah did we talk about that this resonates of? Yeah, the, the, in terms of the sin, you, you mean? Yes. Um, yeah, I, idolatry and injustice. You know, we kept talking about those as the fundamental basic categories in which God pronounces judgment. You could add the a third eye to that immorality. Um, yeah. But that's essentially essentially what you see pictured here. Again, 24 well to 25 would be idolatry, 26 through 27, um, sexual immorality. 28 and following is just all kinds of sins against other people, um, which would be that injustice and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I was thinking of another I. I was thinking impurity. DSV says yeah. impurity in 24. But sure. uh, this is, I guess, a threefold. And impurity is a form of injustice, of course. Yeah. But he, this phrase, God gave them up, God gave them up, God gave them up. This is the phrase that reminds me in Isaiah and also in the book of Matthew, God handed them over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And this is typically how the judgment of God works in the prophets is God has revealed himself as creator. And as you said, this is not, all right, let's sit down and talk through the 17 time periods of the Bible, but this is a knowledge of God as creator, a census divinatus, as Calvin called it. We have this census divinatus within us, but instead of honoring God as creator, we then choose to follow idolatry, impurity, and injustice. If we decide to follow those things, God says, fine, I'll give you up to them. You, yeah. you want to worship idols? Fine. I'll give you up to the idols. You want to be impure? Fine. I'll give you up to impurity. You want to be unjust? Fine. I will hand you over to a full form of injustice. That's, of course, what captivity was. Israel says we want to worship Babylonian gods. God says, fine, go live among the Babylonians for a while. And th- this is how the judgment of God is working here in chapter one. And so I think it's important here to know this is not God overriding them. But this is God merely handing them over to the gods that they were pursuing. Yeah, absolutely. So then we get back to verse 32. There's a translation difference here that I think is interesting. The ESV reads it this way. Though they know God's righteous decree. Now, you read from NASB, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, It read it a bit different. Also in verse 29. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. Mike, let me ask you this. In Romans 1, is unrighteousness a personal problem or a collective problem? Mm. Yeah, it's it's definitely this, this collective picture, right? And, and yes. I, yeah. You know, again, and it's helpful to, to keep that in mind for this entire section of Romans, right? He's not talking about every single individual is just going to map their life experience onto this picture here. But this is a picture as the picture of the peoples as a whole. Again, this is, this is more of a historical lesson than a, let me analyze, psychoanalyze your, you know, personal journey. Well said, well said. Now let's go back to the aim of Romans then, because I think what you just said is so important to understand. 
Often Romans 1 through 3 is read as every last individual is sin, therefore every last individual needs to be saved. Are there implications for that? 100% absolutely. But I don't think that's Paul's aim here. Right. If Paul is aiming at unity, what then is the problem that has divided? Yeah. Unrighteousness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every form of unrighteousness has divided humanity. Unrighteousness has led to covetousness, to envy, to murder, to strife, to impurity, to idolatry. In all of this unrighteousness, this sin problem is what we would call it. This is what has led to the separation in the cosmos. And so whenever Paul is going to offer the solution beginning at the end of chapter three, it's within the conversation of the problem Mm -hmm. of unrighteousness, an unrighteousness that has divided humanity. Yeah, absolutely. So, Mike, what else do you have to say? I have one closing thought about chapter one. Well, I was going to say just just one thing to sort of see what this is doing in its context, right? So, so everything he's just said for his audience is not new information, right? So it's not like, oh, here's this new teaching about the the problems of sin in the world, um, and 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 how sinful the Gentiles are. Right. This is something where he's essentially establishing some common ground upon which he's going to build in the very next section. And we'll look at that in the next episode. But I think it's worth just understanding the connection and realizing that this chapter break actually more interrupts the flow of thought than helps us see how this all builds together. And so he's to just reiterate what we've already said. Look, God's wrath is being poured out on the Gentiles because of their idolatry and injustice, right? And they celebrate it. Chapter two and verse one, therefore you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment on, for in that which you judge one another, you condemn yourselves for you who judge practice the same things. And so the the real instruction is gonna come in chapter two. I don't, I don't mean real instruction like it wasn't important, um, because like I said, there's there's lots of really powerful things he says as he unpacks that. But in terms of this basic point, yeah, this is not inf- new information, but what he's trying to do is get his his audience to see um, they're equally accountable to God. And and as, as we'll see, there's no special preference or, or uh, uh, privilege that they have if they're practicing the same things. Well said. And I think the only thing I have to say then is, We'll pick up with that next time. Okay.